You're listening to Crazy Busy, the podcast for executives, entrepreneurs, and savvy fast trackers who want to start their week sane and end it that way too. Here's your host, growth strategist, executive coach, and millennial leadership mentor, Karen Bellantoni. I was working with a millennial executive coaching her about her job at an agency here in New York City. And I noticed that she tended to be kind of anxious. Almost every time she came in for a session, she'd throw the word perfect around. Actually, she said, I want to be all like perfect. Yeah, but it's not perfect. It needs to be like perfect. And so I asked her about her stress level and her response really threw me. She said, I just assumed everybody felt anxious at work every single day. Wow, I thought I really need to talk about this phenomenon, this disorder called perfectionism. Welcome to Crazy Busy. I'm your host, Karen Bellantoni, and today we're starting a two-part podcast because this is a pretty deep topic. We're talking about the price of your perfectionism. So this week, I'm going to tell you what perfectionism is. I may scare you a little bit with some of these statistics I'm also going to share with you. I'd like to show you what kind of perfectionist you might be and explain why this trait that can seem helpful at times is actually harmful to your health, your creativity, and your bottom line. Then I'll give you a reflection exercise that would be essential if you want to break this perfectionism cycle. Next week, we'll take what we've discovered here and apply it to a tool from my perfectionism workshop called the Perfectionist Journey and the Perfectionist Fast Track. Understanding this tool will help you break out of this affliction and help you really start enjoying your work again. Remember, it took you a while to become a perfectionist it may take you a little while to get out of this. But I know with this tool and with these learnings, you're going to be able to do that. So let's get into it. Perfectionism is a disorder, meaning it's abnormal. It's not normal, not the usual order of things. Although it does become normal for certain people, certain types of people, when they hit their fear response, go into pleasing and perfectionism. These people are also known as fawners in my four faces of fear system. We understand the fear response as fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And the fawners are the folks who go to pleasing and saying yes when they're afraid. Typically, these can be people who grew up in challenging environments where there was inconsistency and maybe being a better kid in their mind would have solved some of the problems that were happening in their environment. It could be alcohol or drugs were prevalent in their parents' day-to-day life. But usually when the environment is inconsistent, meaning as a child you can't count on things to be stable, um, it, it could be inconsistent finances, it could be where you lived, it could be because both or one of your parents was not present. 
This is kind of a lot of us. Most of us grew up in environments that were less than perfect. And we got programming that said we were supposed to be like the Brady Bunch. We had other images and stereotypes that let us believe, let's not forget the prince and princess, that there's something to aspire to that is perfect. And that because maybe in our families we were not that, that we are less than. So what perfectionists are really trying to do is control things in such a strong way so that they don't go off track. It makes sense. If your childhood was devoid of consistency, then you're fighting to create that kind of control in your everyday life. Maybe your childhood had consistency and predictability, and maybe you're more like a rebel who wants to break out of that kind of control. You may even enjoy leaving a bunch of dishes in the sink once in a while just because you can. But potentially your parents had you practicing the piano every day. Practice makes perfect or they expected straight A's. That's putting that perfectionism disorder on you through projection. My own wake up call came rather later in life. I was having a dinner party. I actually find cooking a powerful meditation and I often have epiphanies while I'm cooking, but I couldn't really see the perfectionism in myself until someone else, someone who cared for me, pointed it out. I was living at the beach at the time and had a boyfriend who really enjoyed entertaining. So every Saturday morning, he'd come by and we'd start planning that Saturday night's dinner party, finalizing the details of like what we'd serve and you know, how we would serve it and what time people were coming, checking in, confirming with people. It was a really fun time in my life. Only I made it so much harder than it needed to be. At one point, he got so upset. He said to me, you're taking all the fun out of this for both of us. I stopped in my tracks. What was he talking about? These dinner parties there was so much fun. People raved about them for days. I got thank you cards, phone calls. How could I be taking the fun out of something that we both love so much and clearly other people enjoyed? When I asked him what he meant, he said, well, every time we have people over, you feel like you need to make everything in the house perfect. You need to check everything off your to-do list that has to be done. And I just still didn't understand because that was right to me. He said, you've been upstairs cleaning out the closets earlier. No one's going to go upstairs, go into your bedroom, open the closets and judge you. Yet you feel like everything that's in the house, what's visible, what's invisible, you know, what's in rooms that people won't even walk into needs to be perfect in order for you to greet people tonight. Wow, that was a real revelation for me. I had no idea I was doing this to myself. And I could really never understand why I couldn't move the next day after one of these parties. I was just so exhausted because I had really doubled my work. The bottom line is I was making not only dinner parties, but a lot of other things much harder for myself than they needed to be. Has anyone told you that, that you make things harder for yourself? I think that's a great starting point. Take a look at all the areas of your life where you're making things harder for yourself, where you go that extra mile, but it's not just the extra mile, it's an extra five miles. When you do that, you get to what I call the point of diminishing return 
I'll explain a little more about that later. Let me just explain to you how big this problem is. Here are the scary stats I told you about. 74% of girls say they're under pressure to please everyone. 98% of girls feel there's an immense pressure from external sources to look a certain way. 68% of adolescents who died by suicide were known for expressing high demands and expectations. In other words, perfectionism. Perfectionism is a risk factor for OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, eating disorders, social anxieties, phobias, body dysmorphic disorder, workaholism, self-harm, substance abuse, and clinical depression, as well as a whole host of physical problems like chronic stress and heart disease. I think when you practice perfectionism, you're constantly breaking your own heart. How does perfectionism support your relationships? It really doesn't. When I was a newlywed, I remember my husband's friends had wives that said, we don't want to have you over. And I felt so sad. You know, finally, somebody told me the truth and said, we're afraid you'll judge us. Your house is always so nice and clean and perfect and organized. So they didn't want to reciprocate and invite me over because they felt uncomfortable with my control and my perfectionism. It made them feel bad about themselves. It reminds me of my grandma who even had plastic seat covers on her sofas. Undoubtedly, I was probably trying to model her as a child and that just stuck. So here's my definition of perfectionism. I believe that perfectionism is the belief that love is conditional plus the fear that we're not enough. Those combine to create a survival mechanism called perfectionism, and it's the seed level of perfectionism. And the seed level of your perfectionism is most definitely fear and most definitely a survival mechanism. Recently, when I taught this workshop, somebody asked, well, how do I know if I'm being a perfectionist or I'm just paying attention and doing a good job? And I said, are you afraid? And he said, yes. And I said, then you're in perfectionism. So doing a great job, wanting things to turn out well, going back to my millennial client, one of the things I said to her was, if you're just focused on doing a good job and you get a little nervous that maybe you're not doing it right or you won't make it out to the deadline on time, that's okay. That's a little stressful but it's okay. It's normal work stress. Once you start feeling like you could get fired if this project isn't perfect, everyone will laugh at you at the meeting if your presentation isn't perfect. Once you start having these sort of anxieties that are stemmed from fear and your belief around that fear is a bit exaggerated, in other words, you have no proof of that being true, then you're in perfectionism. Basically, what I said to her, the bottom line is, you have a belief that what you have or what you achieve is equal to your self-worth. And it makes sense. If we look back at our DNA and how we got to where we're at, 
women had to be selected. If we weren't selected by a man back in caveman times and hundreds of years following that, we weren't safe. We needed a man for safety, for creating a family, which was another part of our safety to continue our lineage. Men also needed to be perfect. If they weren't strong enough or capable enough, not only would they lose their own life, but the lives of their family. So these are deep old programs that are in our DNA. And trauma stays in our DNA until we work hard to change it. I'd like to share with you a few of the types of perfectionists that I see. And as you hear me describing them, see if you get a little ring in your belly. See if something resonates with you more than the others do. The first one is called self-oriented perfectionism. And this is about having an excessively high expectation for yourself personally. I should know better. I should know the answers. I shouldn't have said that at the party. I shouldn't have bought this. I shouldn't have made that decision. Shooting on yourself constantly is an instant way to show yourself disrespect. People who should a lot are just taking their self-esteem down a notch. Better to use the word could. Maybe next time I have an opportunity to do it this way. That's an empowering statement versus a disempowering one. The second type of perfectionism is called other-oriented perfectionism. That's when you have excessively high expectations of other people. You have a fear of being let down by others wanting your children to excel because they're an extension of you, expecting your significant other to be perfect, basically projecting your own perfectionism onto other people, which allows you, quite frankly, to be constantly disappointed by them, chipping away at your relationships bit by bit. The third one is called socially prescribed perfectionism. And this is when we have excessively high social expectations. We see this has really exploded in the days of social media and transparency. The fear of missing out specifically falls into this category. All we have to do is open Instagram and we activate our socially prescribed perfectionism fear. We get fixated on these high social expectations and needing to share with others that we're just as valuable and just as important and just as interesting as they are. The fourth one is excellence-seeking perfectionism. These are folks who kind of have a tendency to fixate and demand very high standards. These are people who have prestige as a driving value in their life. They often buy expensive clothes, expensive brand names, and wouldn't consider anything else. For these folks, driving the right car, having the right address, they're all building blocks for their perfectionism. Their high standards end up separating them from other people. Typically, their friends start by joking and playing around with them about their excessively high standards. But eventually, no one wants to hang out with you because we just can't keep up. Lastly, we have failure-avoiding perfectionists. They have an excessive concern and an aversion to failing in general in any way at all. Failing in any shape or form is unacceptable, even when it's part of the process. Like, how are you going to be good at tennis if you don't fail some of the time? 
What happens to failure-avoiding perfectionists is that they practice in secrecy and silence a lot, or they avoid things where they really can't be perfect. So they miss out a lot. Okay, so feel free to rewind and hear this again so you can figure out which one of these resonated with you the most. They're also on my blog with the show notes for this episode at karenbellantoni.com. Just a note, those are the five types of perfectionism I see the most, and sometimes they're called different names. So you may see other types as well. These are just the ones I see the most in my practice. Find the one that most closely relates to you and grab a journal. Just think about some of the experiences you've had most recently with this type of perfectionism and really just take a few pages to write out how you felt. What was driving you? Were you moving towards something or moving away from something? Did you feel a sense of anxiety? A sense of anxiety typically means you've tripped up the amygdala and that you are in the fight, flight, freeze, and fawn mode. Physiologically, your body has shifted and you're in overdrive, moving towards something that's usually unattainable. Typically, we back our fears up with stories. See if you can get down to your original story, the one that's driving your perfectionism. Here's an example. What I realized with my client, the story at the beginning of the podcast, was that she was the only girl in the family. She had a story about being a good girl and doing nothing wrong because her brothers had caused a lot of trouble and anxiety in the family. She saw the stress her parents were under and she did not want to contribute to that stress and she even wanted to fix it. This is a very common story actually. Most of us fixers are perfectionists. So the story of I can please everyone and control everything is soothing, is soothing for her inner child. As long as she can be that out in the world, her inner child feels safe and happy. Additionally, she's probably been rewarded and awarded for this behavior along the way. Look at what a good girl she is. Look at how great she does everything. Look at her attention to detail. So maybe these are valuable tools along the way. Maybe even when you're coming of age and going to school, it was how you got noticed or how you got attention or how you got invited into a group. It doesn't mean it's a good coping mechanism for you today, but the child inside of you knows that this is how you succeeded, by being the first person to jump up and do the dishes, by being the first person to make sure everything was working properly. It may not be appropriate to jump up and do the dishes first thing at someone else's home while they're still eating. A coping mechanism that we used as a child isn't something we want to integrate into our adult life without even thinking about it. So this is where we begin. Take a look at your perfectionistic behaviors recently and do the journaling around how you were feeling, what happened, and what was the story going on behind the scenes. How does that older story relate to how you found success or stability in your childhood? Is this behavior something you want to choose to bring into your life today? 
So let's get real with ourselves. Let's take 15 to 20 minutes to just do some reflecting on this. Because if you don't do these things, you won't be able to understand the true price of your perfectionism and have insights about where it's coming from. And you likely won't be motivated enough or ready to make the changes in your mindset and behavior that I'm going to be sharing with you in next week's episode. I know this work can be deep and uncomfortable, but I believe in you. I know you can do it, and I know you'll be proud of yourself when you do. Until next week, leave crazy busy behind and become the leader I know you were meant to be. Thanks for listening to Crazy Busy with Karen Bellantoni. Make sure to tune in next week for part two of The Price of Your Perfectionism.